Hey, Grace Church, I'm Jay Cross, church plant resident here at Grace Church. And what an honor to be able to just share from God's word. We've been in this series about identity theft. And so in week one, we discussed what it means to be a citizen of heaven and live like Jesus would if he was in our place. And then in week two, we talked about being a citizen of heaven and how it carries in actions and in our attitudes. And this week, we're looking at chapter three in the book of Philippians. And so uh, Paul in this chapter begins with an encouragement to the Philippian church to rejoice. Uh, he then uh, goes on in verses two through six to talk about circumcision and present his own resume. Uh, verses 7 through 11, he talks about the central theme of this chapter, which is knowing Christ. Then in verses 12 through 16, he talks about pressing on and, and running our race. In verses 17 to 21, he gives admonishment to follow his example. So what we want to do with this chapter is we want to take uh, those verses, uh, those portions, and really break it down and see in context what was there for the Philippian church and what is there for us today. Because what Paul was teaching in these scriptures, is it's truly relevant for us even right now in 2022. Uh, so I hope you are really encouraged by what you hear to know Jesus more. That That's really the goal of everything we're teaching here today is to really know Jesus more. Uh, so, so let's get into this. So uh, Paul again opens with this encouragement and he, and he tells the church in Philippians to, in Philippi, sorry, to rejoice. And, and the reason why he, he says rejoice, let's, let's put it in context. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. What that indicates to me is there were things happening in their context and in their culture that could cause them to feel some kind of way. And, and Paul is about to express and, and explore and implore them about uh, what they're dealing with. And the first thing he says to them is rejoice. You know, I think it's a reminder to them to say, no, no matter how you are going to feel about what I'm about to say, look, rejoice in the Lord because that's a good thing. And in any circumstance you face, and we know Paul has been through some circumstances. So if anyone knows about rejoicing in the Lord in good times and in bad times, we just talked about contentment, it's Paul. And so he, he starts out with this encouragement. And then he gets right into this pressing matter with a warning. See, the church in Philippi is dealing with an issue, right? Uh, the church was in Philippi was this mixture of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And so some of the Jewish Christians are attempting to create these barriers for the Gentiles to be in relationship with Jesus by trying to convince them that the only way to be in a relationship with God was for them to be circumcised. Now, this was, <laughs> it's, it's weird to even say that, but 
but but they say they're saying to them uh, that they had to be circumcised, and the reason why they're saying this is because it was a command for them before Jesus died on the cross. You see, circumcision was such a big deal that the Jewish Christians were actually referred to as the circumcision. And so it played a big part in how they saw themselves in God's eyes. And so they're they're putting this on the Gentiles, right? And Paul immediately comes in and he's dealing with this. And here's how Paul responds to their beliefs. He says, he says in verse two, watch out for those dogs. (laughs) And And he calls them evil. A Paul was not talking about like your family pet dog. See, dogs in the Bible days were wild. And, and, and this is how the Jewish Christians used to refer to the Gentiles. They would call them d- dogs. And, and Paul is flipping the script, right, uh, to provide clarity on what makes a person truly circumcised. In verse three, he says, for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, right? So you have the Jewish Christians here, and they're all about confidence in what they have done. And Paul is like, look, it is, it is not about that. And, and let me, let me drive home that point even further, right? Paul's saying about confidence in human effort, because in verses four through six, he lists his resume, right? Uh, starting, uh, stating that if anybody has a reason to be confident in what they have done, it is him. Like he, when he goes through his birthright, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. Like Paul is saying, if you need a reason to boast, I got plenty, okay? And all of y'all talking about circumcision, she it was it was very important uh, to know the the tribe of Israel that you descended from. That was huge, and so Paul lays out his status, puts it on the table, and said, "Look." You want to talk about a reason to boast? Look, look at my life, right? I have all the reasons. But when Paul finishes validating his right to boast about himself, he gets to the theme of the entire chapter, which is knowing Christ, right? So, so Paul's like, look, I, I got all of this stuff going on, but that's not the matter at hand and neither is you being circumcised. The real matter at hand is knowing Christ. Uh, So beginning in verse seven, Paul says he once held like his cultural status that he just broke down of being circumcised and his lineage. He once held those things in very high regard. And he now considers them worthless, not not because he just chopped them up, but because of what Christ has done 
Come on, have, have you ever had that experience where, where you're valuing something like, like I, you have an old car, you love it, you push it around, people talk about it and you tell them, I call my car Lucille or, or whatever name you've given it because you love it so much, but then you get a new car. And the value of that old, we used to, we call it hooptie's where I'm from. The value of that hooptie, it just diminishes a great deal. It meant everything to you. But now it's gone because you found a new thing to place your value in. And Paul is telling them right now, he said, look, I count all, he said, those things are no longer valuable because of what Christ has done. Paul is, is, is shifting his, his, his mindset, his, his spiritual energy from me, me, me to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, uh, and and he, he considers what he used to be to be worthless because of what Christ has done. Now, I don't know if you can resonate with what Paul is saying here. So I remember my life before confessing and believing Jesus as Lord. Say, I used to hold my hood in high regard, right? The neighborhood that I was from, the gang of being a part of, like that I was a part of, like I held that in high regard. We're, we're a better gang than them, right? Uh, I held my sexual promiscuity in high regard. My popularity, how cool am I? Does everybody know me? Am I the coolest kid in school? My ability to pick up women, how much alcohol I can consume before I got drunk, my athleticism, my daily marijuana intake, my own ego being satisfied over empathy and sympathy for anyone else. These are the things that I held in high regard. I don't know about you. Maybe there's some things that are on the table for you that you really held in high significance because you thought they had such a great value. Like Paul, I mean, I, I felt I had good reason to boast about the awesomeness of being Jason. That is until in 1999, I learned what Paul is sharing here. It all becomes void when we encounter the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus as Lord, there's, there's this exchange that begins. Paul gave up his faith in his deeds and in Jewish law in exchange for the infinite value of free grace that comes from the death of Jesus on the cross. He gave it all up. He was able to, to look at the difference between the two worlds and said, whoa, there is so much greater value in the free grace that is given from what Jesus did on the cross. I gave up my value center. I built on the things that I mentioned above in exchange for the free grace. And to date, it's given nothing but a return on investment that far exceeded the returns that they, of the things that I once held in high regard. Because I'm going to look back over my life and I, and I can see the things that I held in high regard. And I can say to myself, this was the return I got for that hurt or hurting someone. This is the return I got from that damage to my physical body. This was the return I got on that lost loved ones, lost friends. This is the return I got from that encounters with the law. 
I got returns from those investments, but they pale. They pale in comparison. Yes, there were some good things that come from those those things I held in God regard to, but the good, the bad, and ugly, they all pale in comparison with the value that comes from being in a relationship with Jesus and having the free grace that comes with his death on the cross. Paul said in verse 8 through 10, he said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting all as his, what Paul calls it, garbage, <laughs> so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Oh, Paul's getting into the meat here. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Here's the big one. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Again, Paul paints this imagery, this imagery of exchanging trash for treasure. In verse eight through nine, it makes me think of the song, uh, Graves uh, to Gardens. That's what, that's what an encounter does. It takes us, it takes us out of our grave clothes and, and back to the garden where we have communion with God, where we're in relationship, where we are experiencing God. Paul's saying, I had some trash, but Jesus's death on the cross and the grace that came with it gave me treasure. Amen. He calls his old value center garbage and garbage is meant to be thrown out. He says he had to do this in order to gain Christ and become one with him. In other words, if confidence in my own efforts is what makes me right with God, then there is no room for Christ. I am Lord of my life and Jesus serves no purpose for me. Let me say that again. If, 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 if my, if my confidence in my own efforts is what makes me right with God, then there's no room for Christ. I'm Lord of my life and Jesus serves no purpose for me. So Paul said, I had to get what I valued out of the way. I had to throw the garbage out so that I could get to and make room for the treasure. When Paul says become one with him, I thought about the image of marriage that is presented in Matthew 19, 5, where it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. This is about husband and wife being unified in mission and purpose. So I believe that the same oneness that Paul is expressing a desire for, I believe that's, that's what he's talking about too, that same oneness that marriage signifies, to be unified in mission 
and purpose with Christ. Ridding ourselves of beliefs, habits, attitude, etc., that create disharmony in our unification with Christ. Paul is saying, take out the trash. In verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Well, what does it mean to know Christ? Well, it means that we don't just know of Christ, but we are in a personal, ever-growing relationship with Christ. I remember when I first met my wife, I knew nothing about her, except that she was one of the few girls I had my eyes on. And then we talked, and we spent time together, and I grew to love and only have eyes for her. And 21 years later, we're still growing forward. Why? Well, because we got to know each other. I think when Paul says that he wants to know Christ, what he's really saying is, I want to know Christ's personality. What makes him happy? What's important to Christ? I want to let Christ's behaviors influence my own. What were Christ's habits? How can I imitate those? How did he handle different environments so that when I'm in different environments, I can behave in a manner in a manner that represents Jesus well? Where did he come from? What was it like to be around him as a child? Who was he? Why did he die for sinners? What was his motive? And how do I please his heart? So Paul's, Paul's saying, I want to know him. I want to understand him. He's saying, I want to be an immersed disciple. And to do so, I must know Jesus personally, not at a distance, so that anything that gets in, so anything that gets in the way has to go. Paul says, not just the good. He said, I don't just want to know the good. I want the bad and the ugly too. I want the whole package. I want to share in his suffering and I want to share in his death because I must experience the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and achieving this happens by faith. See, faith is the passport that allows us to leave the state of separation from God into a state of relationship with the Savior who first loved us. In verses uh, 12 through 16, Paul acknowledges that he's not yet reached a place in Christ that he's striving for. He goes on to say that he's not focusing on, on what he has not attained, but he has his focus on looking ahead towards the finish line. The finish line for believers is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant from God. Until then, we run our way or we run our race exchanging who we were for who God has called us to be in Christ Jesus. So Paul, Paul is going back to what he was talking about in the very beginning of chapter three. When he was talking about what they thought made them right, their human efforts, Paul's going back there again. He said, I'm forgetting about what I was 
and I'm pressing on to what God has called me to. I'm thinking about now what Jesus has done. That's the race I'm running. I'm running in the direction of what Jesus has done and not Paul's own accomplishments. I'm doing the same. That's what I'm striving for. We are called to do that as those who believe in Jesus Christ. And you may not know Jesus yet, but I pray that this would challenge you to come to a place where you know Jesus personally. Lastly, in verses 17 through 21, Paul admonishes the Christians and Philippi to simply follow his example. He once again brings up those that are doing evil. What he is saying to them is, if you need an example to follow after, just follow me as I follow Christ. Paul knows that these Gentile Christians and any of the Jewish Christians who believe that they are the circumcised because of what Christ has done and not because of their own efforts, he's saying, if you're looking for someone to follow, don't, don't be with the Judaizers. Don't be with those who are, who are about that circumcision life. Be with those who are the circumcision because of their worship and belief and what Christ has done. And he says, I can provide that example for you to follow. I think there are a couple of points here. I know you heard in context what Paul was talking to those in the church of Philippi about, but there are some specific principles that are applicable to us. And I just want to give you four of them from, from what we learned from, from these verses. Number one, hear what Paul said, take out the trash. Take out the trash. There may be some things in you that are garbage and they're in the way of you making room for what Jesus has done on the cross. Take out the trash. Pray and ask God to reveal to you anything in you that needs to be removed for him to be glorified. Take out the trash. Number two, become one with Christ. Get to know Christ through Bible reading, devotional, by the Holy Spirit, in worship, listening, guidance from the Holy Spirit and others who know Jesus or further along, become one with Christ. Move in the direction where you are in an intimate relationship with the Lord. Number three, run your race. Don't give up. Be encouraged if you're in a hard place right now. Don't stop running your race. You might think your shame has a firm grip on you, but, but it doesn't because of what Jesus did, did on the cross. God gives you freedom from your shame. So run your race towards the Lord. And finally, follow the right examples that help you draw closer to God. There are people around you, you know, every day who are truly striving to know God more, who believe that they are the circumcised because of worship in what Jesus has done. That's not about their own efforts and who they are and boasting pridefully, but it's about always saying Jesus did it. It's about Jesus being at the center of it all. So follow the right examples that help you draw closer to God. Can I pray for us? Father, I just thank you 
for who you are. Just thank you for your word. God, I just pray that you will continue to pull and draw our hearts closer to you. God, we, we need to know you. We have to exchange our trash for the treasure that you give. We need new value centers. God, one that highlight what you have done and not our own human efforts. God, we're running our race, striving to get to the space that you have called us to. And so God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to give us guidance, grace, peace, and strength to run on to receive the crown. That's, that's set aside for those who believe in Jesus. God, I thank you for your kingdom coming and your will being done. In Jesus' name, amen.